Fala aí, Seekers. Boa tarde, tudo bem? Espero que todo mundo esteja bem. Eu vou dar um tempinho para todo mundo chegar, para o pessoal se acomodar aí, porque hoje a gente tem uma convidada muito especial, que é a Rachel Palin. Okay? Ela vai falar um pouquinho com a gente a respeito da, do NeuroLanguage e como o NeuroLanguage pode ajudar no processo de aprendizado, né? como que o nosso cérebro ele trabalha, como que ele reage, como que ele aprende um novo idioma. E eu sempre digo isso para os meus alunos, é muito importante a gente saber como o nosso cérebro funciona para então a gente executar as tarefas e as atividades da melhor forma para a gente aprender. Né? Quanto mais a gente deixa o nosso cérebro à vontade para aprender, melhor ele aprende. Muitas vezes... Nós utilizamos metodologias e técnicas, estratégias, que não são muito compatíveis com o nosso perfil de aprendizado. E a Rachel vai falar um pouquinho sobre essa questão. Né? A entrevista vai ser em inglês, ok? Então, é uma boa oportunidade para você praticar o idioma também, ok? A Rachel ela tem um inglês bem claro, bem tranquilo, dá para entender muito bem, ok? E aí, depois, eu vou deixar... Essa, essa entrevista gravada, ok? Lá no nosso Telegram. Vou deixar aqui também no Instagram. E a gente vai fazer um podcast e deixar aí nas, nas redes, né? Nos canais de comunicação aí do, dos podcasts. Spotify, Deezer e o Apple Podcast, ok? Então, sejam muito bem-vindos. Espero que vocês aproveitem. Espero que vocês é, gostem dessa, dessa live, ok? E tirem o máximo de proveito é, dessa live hoje, ok? Deixa eu só aguardar aqui a Rachel entrar para a gente começar, né? Mas me diz aí, pessoal, enquanto a gente espera, me diz aí, quem que estuda inglês, quem que faz inglês hoje em dia? Né? Quanto tempo que vocês estudam, quanto tempo que vocês estão é, nessa jornada do inglês? Bom, eu vou aproveitar então que a Rachel já entrou, pessoal, para a gente começar e a gente dar início ao nosso bate-papo, tá bom? Então vamos lá. Conectando aqui com a Rachel. Hi, hi, Rachel. Hi. <risos> How are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. It's uh, quite late uh, here in Spain, but I'm doing good. I know. And you? And I thank you very much for your patience and for your willingness to be part of this uh, interview, this talk, actually. I'm that, excited. Uh, <laughs> me too, me too. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so thank nice. you, Marcelo. Thank you, thank you Obrigada. For, for being here. So, Rachel, <laughs> so Rachel let, me, let me get started by uh, asking... Uh, And, and introducing, I'd like you to introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit who Rachel is. And, um, and I mean, what is initially, what is giving us a brief uh, summary of what neural language is and what, what, what is involved in this, right? Of course. Right. Okay. So, uh, uh, my name is Rachel Paling. I am British, although I consider myself to be quite European as I've lived outside of England for many, many years. So I'm now living in Spain. I used to live in Spain. I've lived in Germany, Italy, 
France and uh, now back to Spain. So I'm a polyglot as well. And um, over the last 20 years, I've very much been focused on uh, language learning, language training. And 20 years ago, when I actually landed in Germany, uh, that was the start of my journey into this question, what is coaching? What is language coaching? And that then developed into me creating this, this question of, of neural language coaching. So what is it? It is the... Uh, integration of principles from professional coaching, so the professional coaching world, especially the uh, focus on the ICF, um, accreditation, ethics, competences of being a coach, integrating that into the language learning journey and process, and additionally, integrating the principles from the neuroscience of how we learn, how the brain functions, how the brain reacts, and very much, again, integrating those principles into everything that we do as a neurolanguage coach so that we transition the process into being quite brain-friendly and potentially, you know, really creating that much more optimized, more effective learning process. But Marcelo, you should know yes, <laughs> a little bit about this. Yes. I'm so excited yes. to know this and to, to be a part of this now. I mean, it's something like I, I said it previously, you know, it's, it's something that I've started doing uh, one, one and a half year ago, you know, getting into more the neuroscience, the neuro uh, understanding of how, you know, and, and understanding of how the brain works. Because I think, Rachel, yeah. and correct me if I'm wrong, right, you're, 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 you're the expert on, on, on the topic. I mean, once you understand, I was just telling them this before I introduced you. Uh, mm -hmm. Once you understand yourself, you understand your brain. Uh, I mean, the whole process of learning just becomes way easier, right? And I mean, you 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 understand yourself, and you know exactly, you know what are your goals, and mm -hmm. what are your strengths, and what are your weaknesses, and how to work, and where to start, and where do you want to get, and it, it just gives you a clear map of where you're going, right? Absolutely. And I think that the major, major point is that we are all different. And now it's about educators really respecting those differences. And, you know, how you learn is not going to be how I learn. And, and just having that vision that, you know, we do need to understand what makes that particular learner in front of me or that group of learners in front of me really learn this and really get this and how can I help them? And now it's, it's not so much about, you know, what's wrong with the learner. I always say, well, what's wrong with the educator? And knowing about the brain, definitely, I think, you know, our, our biggest quest in life isn't the quest of whatever. It's, it's the, the question of who am I as, you know, the journey into self is one of the most difficult journeys, I think, for each and every one of us. And once you start it, it's phenomenal, you know, when we start to really understand ourselves and what what works for us, we can help others to come on that journey as well and, and help them to find out what works for them. Yeah, that's right. Now, Rachel, one of the things that, um, one of the most asked questions um, by students, and I think all around the world and, and in Brazil too, is, it's no different, is, um, 
you know, how do I, why is it so hard sometimes mm. to learn a language, uh, to learn a new language? And why do you think that people usually have this big challenge? Why is it difficult for them to get started and learn a new language, even after being on this path for years and years? You know, what do you think, mm. what, what do you think they should do differently to learn the language? I think there has to be a question of how much exposure are they getting to the language or how much exposure is the brain getting to the language. So once a week with their coach is definitely not going to be enough. So we have to think, you know, the more exposure to that language, the more the brain is normalizing that language, the more it's going to become, let's say, a program, a habit, it's going to become normal. So the first question would be, you know, how much are they really, really tapping in? And then um, I think as well, it's, it's understanding, you know, what do they need to do to really connect into the language? Because mm -hmm. if there's that sort of mental block of, you know, the language is out there, I, I'm never going to learn it. You know, how do we get rid of those mental blocks? How do we really say yes, I can do this, you know, and what do we need to do to get that person to feel that they are absolutely going to learn that language? And, and they will. It's, it's, it's like learning to drive a car. Mm -hmm. The more times that you do it, obviously with a the language, there's a lot more to learn. But definitely, definitely. And You know, many, many people, when they say, oh, I'm not good at languages, I actually think it's about um, finding their way in. And it might be a different way to everybody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I like that term that you use. Uh, actually, I started using the same term, which is normalizing, right? I do that with all of my students. And I say, guys, you just got to give your brain some time to normalize what you're studying. You know, it needs That's to right. become normal. And yeah. then... Uh, and I remember in one of your interviews, you say, look, the problem is that with English and with any other language, sometimes we just don't practice enough, right? right. We, we, we know the process, we understand the process, but sometimes mm -hmm. we just don't practice enough. And what do you suggest, Rachel, for people who, you know, usually say, look, but I don't have the time to practice. You know, I'm living, I'm living outside the country, I'm, I'm, I'm living outside of, of a native speaking country, and I live in mm -hmm. Brazil, for example, And I, I just don't have the time to stop and study. Are mm. there ways that they could practice the language, you know, even not having that time to stop, sit down and study the language? How could they, what other options and alternatives do they have? I think um, there has to be two ways of looking at practicing a language from the conscious, actually consciously doing something and working on it but mm -hmm. also we have to remember that we have a, a subconscious capacity as well and we forget as adults that we do have that sort of part of the brain that is never 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 asleep and Children learn through that subconscious implicit learning and, and children learn, I mean, children take, we take about five years to learn our native language through that sort of some subconscious exposure. So my question to people who are very busy, when could you have the language playing in the background? You don't have to listen to it. 
just when can you have it ticking away in the background i when i moved to spain when i was um 17 18 i could write perfect spanish but i couldn't understand it i couldn't speak it and i'll never forget just having the television on in the background not even watching it or even just just being around people mm-hmm. and that's that's exactly what they should be thinking about maybe kind of the radio pushing. maybe yeah. the tv maybe a uh, podcast or or something just just and the subconscious brain will start taking note mm-hmm. and then the other thing would be you know in downtime if they are um maybe using a computer using an iphone why not change the language into english why not put everything in english so that, again when they're using it the subconscious brain is getting used to just coming into that language mm-hmm. if we're coming into more sort of um activities maybe they could always read the, the news in english or just a, a website or whatever just just click on to the english sites click on to english articles or whatever and and try to see what they can pick up from those Mhm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the subconscious input is important. Yeah. yeah, and 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 I I think it's interesting the way you put that because um mm. it's it's like I always tell them I say guys you got to do this intentionally. Initially you got to do it consciously. You know, you got to mm. turn on the radio, you got to say no, I'm going to turn it on. I'm going to, you know, watch movies in English or I'm going to read books in English. And you know, you don't necessarily need to make time for English. I mean it would be extraordinary if you could but you don't necessarily need to make time you know put aside some time to learn English what you need to do is just to switch on switch off you know switch off your language your native language and switch on That's English, right right so Absolutely. like for example you're going to read don't you already read books yeah. you know before you go to bed read books in English you know That's right well, don't you, That's don't right. you already right don't you already listen to podcasts listen to podcasts in English And then they yeah. say well but it's difficult to say yeah guys it's difficult because again like you always say right Rachel your brain hasn't normalized yet once it normalizes right. it's not difficult anymore and we got to choose right. what kind of difficulty we want we want the kind of difficulty that you know it's uh you know making the choices that we need to make or mm-hmm. spending years trying to learn a language that should not take years to learn we have yeah. to choose what difficult we want Right? Absolutely and and again I think it's about separating out consciously watching a movie in English or just having it in the background while you're doing something else. Exactly. And that's also effective. Mhm. So definitely uh the power of that subconscious brain. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you know that the the sort of sitting through something if you know if you really are going to power through a movie that you can't understand it is about the brain patterning and the brain starts to pattern and recognize when things are repeated and recognize when you know words are being used in certain situations that's exactly what children do mhm Uh, you know last summer just to give everybody a little bit of an example um i'm trying to come into some more russian and now and again i i'll put on a, a these russian mini series 
Rachel is like my inspiration. Here I am trying yeah. to learn Spanish. You're what, in the seventh language already? Eighth? It what is, moment? it is, it is. Yes, number seven, yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and honestly, you know, you, the brain starts recognizing things. And it's, it's amazing how afterwards, you know, you start hearing and thinking those words like pravda, pravda, davai, davai, you know. And it's, they, they, <laughs> they repeatedly come into movies and situations and and you, you your brain is phenomenal it is so phenomenal and we often think that we have to cram we have to work we have to focus we have to concentrate and sometimes we have to just let go yeah and just allow exactly. like children do if we could all like go back to the child's exactly. brain again huh yes <laughs> it would be great right rachel you would be yes. great it would but there's nothing stopping us you know at times the only thing that stops us is the thinking brain mm -hmm. the thinking brain exactly exactly right. those blocks yeah. right now i have three questions here if you allow me to ask you these three questions that i've received from my followers this morning and i think uh -huh. that they they somehow they they contemplate what many people think right the first one mm -hmm. is and i've read your book about it which is grammar right brain friendly mm. grammar Yes. Yeah, I just got yeah, I just got done reading the book about a month ago. Ooh. Great book. Congratulations on it. Really nice. Thank you, thank you, thank But, you. Rachel, what do you think what's your take on grammar? I mean, what could you tell students uh and people who are learning the language about grammar? How should grammar be approached? I mean, in of course, in a, in a in a summarized form, right? Um definitely it should be approached in a very relaxed, calm curiosity arousing way because you know each and every one of us somehow we do have those patterns of language in our brains from our native language um, and a lot of the time I mean I never did grammar my own grammar at school and I had to discover grammar through actually teaching English and through learning other languages that's how you come into grammar and it's almost like You know, grammar is a codification. And it's a little right. bit like cracking a code. Mm -hmm. And if we can get our learners into that feeling of, okay, we're going to crack this code. Your brain is going to find out exactly the formula that's needed. And maybe there's a different formula in other languages. So how can I help my learner in a very quiet conversation to totally connect with the grammar part that they need to connect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes, and especially, especially in Portuguese, in Spanish, in Italian, you have some beautiful parallels, like um, I am eating, um, I'm talking, sto falando. And, you know, you've got identical particles of grammar, which, which you can help That's people to instantly understand. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So for me, grammar should be um, stimulating curiosity arousing conversations and finding out how the learner wants to imprint those. Does the learner want to write it down? Does the learner want to create a mind map? Does the learner want to create a picture? <laughs> Anything to help mm -hmm. that learner to instantly come into that grammar.
That's right. That's right. Now you mentioned something about associating, right, with the with the mm -hmm. Portuguese language, for example, in our case, right? Yeah. Um, and then you have people, which is one of the questions people have said, well, look, you, it, it, don't learn the new language using your native language. Learn a new language using only the language, the target language, right? Yeah. Should you or should you not use your native language to learn a new language? Is it helpful or not? Um, may I bounce that question back to you? How did you come into English? In my case, I came into English because uh, we, we, we lived in the U.S. for about 10 years. And then right. I had to, yeah, I had to, to learn English. I mean, exposing myself to English the whole day. But, but hmm. I did have a lot of Latin friends. I did have a lot of Brazilian friends over there. So, I mean, I can't say it was 100% of the time in English. So much, Rachel, that um, I usually tell people, I say, look, I, I lived for 10 years in the U.S., but, you know, from what I know today, I think that I learned 30% in the U.S. The, 70, the, the other 70% was in Brazil after right. I started teaching, you know? Right. So, I mean, it, 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 I can't say that I was exposed to, in, to English all the time in the U.S. You know, I did have uh, mm. some help from, from Spanish from my Mexican, Colombian, Argentinian friends, from the Brazilian friends, you know, from, from yeah. other people. So I did do, I, I did make a lot of associations when learning the language over there too, so. Right, you know. right. And honestly, you know, my language journey has been jumping from language to language through association. Um, I did French, Latin and Greek at school. And at the age of 15, I taught myself Spanish. And I did it through the French, the Latin, and my father's Teach Yourself Spanish books, and the English kind of parallels. And that's how I came into Spanish. Mm -hmm. um, living in Catalonia, I, I came into Catalan because, again, of the associations and living here as well. Never had a lesson. Then I was working in Italy. Again, never had an Italian lesson and came into Italian through associations. Um, and then living in Germany was asking myself, what's the reason that I can't get into German? But then when I tapped into the English part of German, then it started, it was like the door was opening. That's right. And, you know, the interesting thing is that in 2016, we now have research showing that when we learn a new language, the brain actually goes to the native area, grammar mm -hmm. areas first. Mm -hmm. So the brain itself is trying to scaffold on previous experience. That's how the brain works. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I think we, we've, in the English teaching or training world, in the late 1890s, 1880s, uh, 1890s, um, we had Mr. Berlitz. And I think Mr. Berlitz famously was the one who said no native language. Mm -hmm. And that set the trend. I mean, we're, we're talking 19th century here, you know, that set the trend that many of each and every one of us, I mean, even I have, have had that sort of trend in the background as well. Mm -hmm. And now we have the neuroscience demonstrating, actually, 
that's not the case. And mm-hmm. in my personal experience, that's not, that's the, not case. the case. That's and in many people's experience, and when you think about mistakes, most mistakes are native interference. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. So we have all the evidence. Mm-hmm. Now it's about busting the myth that we only should go from the the target language and not the native. Yeah, nice, nice. And one last question here, uh, Rachel, is a little bit about how people here, I don't know about other countries, but usually Brazilian students, they freak out about the fact of even, I mean, cogitating or thinking about speaking to native speakers, right? In yep. business context, company context, I mean, it's 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 like they freak out. They they really like they have like almost like a nervous breakdown when they they think, look, all right, I can yep. speak Portuguese, I can speak English with Brazilians, with Spanish people, mm-hmm. with, but whenever I have to speak with Americans and with British people and with Australians, I freak out because I don't understand sometimes what they're saying, and it seems like they lose their patience, and then they they look at me like. You know, I'm some kind of weirdo or, or you know, and, and, and I just block. I just get, you know, all that. I just blank yeah. out, you know. So what what's your suggestion on that? When when people are, you know, they have to be face-to-face or they need to have a conversation with a native speaker. You being a native speaker, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. And, you know, you, I think for each and every one of us, we've all had this situation. You know, when I'm with Germans, I also go into that fight or flight. And, and sometimes, you know, depending on how much the language is ingrained or not, depends on the response that we will have. Mm-hmm. So, again, we come back to that point that it's not normalized enough. It's like bungee jumping. You know, if I jump off a cliff and bungee jump, I'm going to go into terror because my brain doesn't know and my brain doesn't like and my brain is terrified. And that's exactly what's happening with the brain when we're going into that unknown of, oh, my God, I'm with a native speaker. And, you know, in like everything in life, we have to walk with the fire. And you just have to do it and do it and do it and do it so that it becomes more and more normal. The one thing, right, now the one thing I would really suggest is working with learners for uh, creating their tactics Mm -hmm. so that they've got enough ammunition to say to a native speaker, can you repeat that? Can you say that in a different way, please? I didn't quite get that. Yeah. Am I hearing this or could we ask you just to put that in, in a totally different expression for me? You know, getting them to have the tactics and the ammunition to really deal with natives is key. Exactly. And especially on the telephone. Especially, especially on the, the telephone. Team. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, on the telephone, you've got beautiful things like, I'm sorry, it's a really bad line. <laughs> you've got excuses that you can bring out, mm-hmm. which will give people enough time chance, to say, okay, right? to that's right. Can. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, or even, things... can you send me an email? Yeah, 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 exactly. And one of the things I, I, um, I put on my Instagram last week was, uh, I said, guys, you know, when, whenever you're faced with a native speaker, Like, for example, you're going to have a native speaker coming into your company next week, and he's going to stay there for a week or so. 
you know, instead of running away from a native speaker, approach him and say, look, I'm learning English. Do you want to have a coffee, you know, with me? You know, can, can we spend five or 10 minutes speaking? And he said, once you do that, you will realize that, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing much. I mean, you don't need to be yeah. afraid of a native speaker. But like you said, you got to do it more than once, more than twice. Do it That's again. Right. Another native speaker is coming to your company. Sit down yeah. with him. Talk to him. You know, spend some time with him. Have lunch with him. You know, yeah. and, 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 and come to, and you will eventually come to the conclusion to say, look, all right. Despite mm -hmm. the fact that maybe, maybe I may not understand everything, I was able to communicate. And, you know, you gain confidence, right? That's you get right. a lot of confidence from that. That's and right. I remember, Rachel, just before we close uh, our talk, I remember I had an experience like this. I mean, I lived in the U.S. for 10 years, but then I spent about 15 years without having any contact with native speakers in their environment. You know, I had, mm -hmm. I had contact, but over the phone with friends and, but, And then, uh, I think it was, what, December 2019, we were able to go to London on vacation, right? And then I remember, it was really funny. I remember, like, as soon as I stepped out of the train, and then I stepped out of the train, my brain goes, now you are in a native-speaking country. And I'm thinking... Panic! Why, why am I... Why, why are you, I was, like, fighting with my brain, you know? I was like, yeah. what are you, why are you telling me this? What? I don't understand this. And for a while, till we got, with what, what, we were in St. Pancras, right? And then we went, the first place we went was to the Harry Potter store, right? To the Harry Potter store. And then as soon as we got there, and I approached the saleswoman, and I, and I finally spoke English with her. And then after that, I'm like, okay, now I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm totally at ease. Now I'm okay. I'm ready to live, you know, the next few days here in London and, and everything. But, you know, that, that initial moment where, like, man, You're in a native-speaking country again. Don't forget right. that. Be careful, right? That's right. Like, why? That's right. Why? Right? So, but like you said, after you talk to one person, talk to another, you say, okay, yeah. Yes. This is just something yes, that yes. you can do. Yeah. Nice. We come back to normalizing the brain. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. By walking Ra with the fire. Walking in. <laughs> exactly. Rachel, yeah. I don't want to keep you much longer. I know it's late over there. You got to get some rest. But I think you so much for taking part in this conversation. I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people. We're going to put Thank this you. in the podcast. I'm going to keep it on my uh, feed here on Instagram. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. Thank you for the time you spent here with us. All right. And uh, I hope you have a lot more contact with you, right, in the next few years. Absolutely. Like I told you, yes. you have been my inspiration and my mentor, not only in the videos but in the books and the course and uh thank you very much okay yeah and i can't wait to come back to brazil yes please do please do absolutely <laughs> and, and i'm gonna need some uh well brazilian um brazilian portuguese portuguese could be my eighth could be your eighth exactly yeah exactly. let's see yeah. i might do some <laughs> secret um, portuguese uh learning in the background and surprise everybody with my uh transfer of all those latin <laughs> languages into portuguese as well that's right that's right i will yes all right rachel yeah. thank you very much have a great night thank you, thank you, too. you guys for taking part Sending in this everybody warm wishes stay safe stay sane everybody yes please <laughs> it's important bye bye rachel thanks marcelo ciao ciao